He used to pray so hard, you could see the veins in his neck. Yeah, I remember that, the veins in his neck. Never knew what he was asking for. I used to tell myself he was asking to be better. Better to us, a better man. Then I would pray. Pray that it would work, that he would change. Then it never did. And that's when I gave up on all of this. Every hand you have dealt me has been crap. Still, I kept trying all these years, trying to always do what's right, trying to be the better man, the man that he never was. Has that made you laugh? Seeing me try, knowing that somewhere deep down in spite of everything that I probably still believe, the only good thing that has ever happened to me is her. And if you, please do not take her away from me. I'm begging you. I'm on my knees begging for her, begging for my children. Take me if you want. Just don't, just don't. Don't you dare. Woo, what a prayer. Happy Father's Day, everyone. We are here talking about the super dad of television, Jack Pearson from NBC's This Is Us. Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism, conversations about music, movies, and the longings of the human heart. Let's get started. What does it mean to be a man? It's a tough question today in the 21st century. What if I'm a man living in a world that has questions about what does even male and female and and man and woman even mean? What does it mean to be a father? What does it mean when I look around the world and I see so many men and it seems like the sort of masculinity that they have is toxic. They're manipulative. They're, they're, They're just lashing out with their fear and their anger and they're hurting people. And there's so many people hurting from these men. What do I do when I look into scripture and I see St. Paul describe male and female in Ephesians 5 as a great mystery? It's hard to know what authentic masculinity is and should be, but yet I feel like I know it when I see it. And one place I see it is in Jack Pearson in This Is Us. Jack just radiates this masculinity. I call it radiant masculinity. And it helps the people around him to thrive and flourish. It's not a bit toxic in any way. It's not manipulative in any way. It's not based in fear and anger. It's based in this profound love and protection and shepherding that he has for the people around him. Hello, everyone. My name is Mike Tenney, Catholic speaker and worship leader from Washington, D.C. I spent over a decade teaching in Catholic high schools, teaching theology, and also trying to make it big as a rock star at night. And now I'm blessed to speak to uh, thousands of people a year and lead worship for them at events all over the place and all throughout. So through this show, this is Pop Culture Catechism, the gospel according to pop music and movies, where we look for God's love in the media that you're plugged into. So then when we're done with this episode, you can unplug from your earbuds or your car or stereo, wherever you're listening to it. We can go out in the real world and live God's love and know God's love in a more concrete way. I want to send a special thank you and shout out to our patrons who make this show possible through popculturecatechism.com and the Awakened Catholic app. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different than you're used to. Normally, I have a guest and we talk for about 45 minutes to an hour, sometimes a little longer, about some of the you know, best pop music happening right now, or some of the the greats of the past, or some things that you should know about, or sometimes we talk about a movie or a show. Today, I'm doing a solo episode. It's just me, no guest. It'll probably be a little bit of a shorter episode. And this is the sort of thing I normally do just for my patrons. If you're a patron, you're used to me doing this sort of stuff uh, in the Awaken app in our pop culture catechist community. And I I give you, you know, five to 15, sometimes 20 minutes of my thoughts on uh, whatever topic we're talking about. And I thought I would try out doing it 
just like this for everyone. So I don't know if we'll do this more. Uh, let me know what you think. You can throw it in the comments. You can send me a message. You can, you know, message me on Instagram or Facebook or, or, or something or leave it in the YouTube comments. Let me know what you think. Would you, do you want more solo shows like this? And, uh, don't worry next week. We'll be, be back to regular full length shows with guests and interviews and all that sort of thing. But I thought I'd try something out, see how it goes. Sometimes when, uh, you know, I'm running a pop culture, uh, podcast. It's hard to line up the topic with the right timing, with the right guest. And then you want to talk about all these different things. It's, it's hard to get it all going. Sometimes I just want to turn on the camera, turn on the microphone and just talk about what I want to talk about. So that's what I'm doing today. So it should be kind of a, a short, sweet to the point episode. So without further ado, let's jump in to it. We are talking about This Is Us. This show started in 2016 on NBC. Uh, if you have not ever watched this show, uh, stop right now because the first episode has spoilers. So if you haven't watched the first episode, there's spoilers like right from the get-go. So don't listen any further until you've at least watched the first episodes. I will have spoilers for some later seasons later on, but especially if you haven't watched that very first episode, the pilot episode, um, go watch that before you listen to this. All right, so it started in 2016. Uh, it follows a set of three triplets and their parents and their spouses and eventually uh, their children. It's set in the past, it's set in the future, it's set in the current day, and it just kind of follows them through all these different twists and turns of life. And it's pretty darn cool. My wife and I have watched it pretty pretty faithfully uh, over the past few years, and it just concluded with the, the epic season six finale just uh, a couple weeks back. So some things that I love about this show artistically is I love the Quentin Tarantino style of it's always flashing back, always flashing forward, jumping between different perspectives. Sometimes you get uh, kind of inside one character for an entire episode, uh, and then you'll switch to another character. So I love the way it jumps around, and it's just so well done. I can't imagine how they filmed it all with having the, you know, in the costumes and making people look different ages and different actors to represent the kids at different ages. It's just, it's really, really, really well done. And they've been um, filming that final scene since like the end of season two. <laughs> so I don't know how many times they've had to recreate that or if they filmed it like five years ago. And I, I don't know. It's just, it's, uh, um, I don't think there's ever been a show like this that has so jumped around and, and had to be so creative and planned out, um, with the, just the filming and the, the timeline of it all. Um, great music. I think it, it's kind of aimed at my demographic having grown up in the nineties. I'm about the same age as the, as the, the triplets in the show. And so every once in a while they'll play a song like Kevin's playing counting crows when he's trying to learn the guitar. And I'm like, Oh, I know how to play and it begins. And that's not how he's playing. That's not right. <laughs> he's playing it. Um, the Beth and Randall, their song is the, I will never find another love sweeter than you is like, oh man, I danced that like at every middle school and high school dance when I was uh, growing up. So the, the music is, I love it because it's, it's very much nineties, early two thousands, turn of, turn of the millennia, which is, you know, what I grew up on. So, uh, it's also really, really funny at parts, especially Beth and Randall. They just crack me up. Like Beth just, yeah, my wife and I love, love Beth and Randall just cause they're, they're, they're so ridiculous sometimes, especially Randall is super ridiculous. Um, and just over the top. So we, we, we really, uh, love them a lot. Uh, anything I don't like about the show artistically, sometimes it's just, oh my gosh, it's so emotional, so emotional. And you know, it, it, it I feel like it almost intentionally, grabs and, and talks about the, the most emotional things that can happen, like birth and death and relationships and uh, disease. It's, it's, yeah, there, there's just so, 
many emotional things. And especially for some things that have happened in me and my wife's uh, lives, like my, my wife lost her mother last year. And so that is certainly a theme on the show. It talks a lot about adoption. And if you listen to the Sarah Bareilles episode we did, you know, my wife is a birth mom. So there's all, all sorts of feelings going on with me and my family when we watch this show. It just speaks uh, straight to our hearts. So, um, and sometimes it's just a little much, like it was not unusual to end an episode and both me and my wife have tears in our eyes just because it was, it was so emotional. It hit so close to home for us. So, um, yeah, really, yeah, it, it could just be a little much sometimes. <laughs> so, uh, let's get into the themes of it all. So the first thing I want to talk about is that prayer from the beginning. So that scene is when, uh, Jack is in the hospital with his, his, his wife might die. Cause she just had these, these triplets. Um, they lose their first son, uh, Kyle in the birth and, uh, they, he thinks he might lose uh, his wife. And so he goes into the chapel and he prays this prayer and he's reflecting on his abusive alcoholic father um, that he lived with his whole life. Um, and there's a few things I like about this prayer is one, even, even though it's, it's like not like a super like pious prayer is not like, Oh Lord, you know, we beseech thee, amen. You know, I'm not worthy. It's, it's in fact, it's a little angry and I think it's okay. Like, I think it's okay to go to God um, with your anger. Like if, if that's what you got, like, I feel like God can take it, you know? Um, and you know, you got the book of Job, you got they're, they're throughout the Bible. The Psalms are all full of laments. Like, uh, I, I feel like God is big enough to handle it when we bring everything that we have and, and, and give it to him. And, uh, you know, he just kind of sees it as, uh, you know, St. Therese would often, uh, one of the great saints of the 1800s, she would often say that it's, it's kind of like, you know, God just kind of sees it as a temper tantrum from one of his, <laughs> from his babies, you know, like, uh, God has this great love for us, even when we're like yelling at him and angry at him. So not that we shouldn't come to God with humility, but that's another thing that I really love about this prayer. So the first thing is that, uh, Jack just brings everything. He doesn't hold anything back. The second thing is he, he has this moment where he stops. He's like, he's like, if you do this, you know, if you take her and then he stops and he just turns and he humbles himself and he says, please please, I'm begging you, I'm on my knees. And he actually gets down on his knees at that moment. So I love that turn where he's just like going to God with like everything he is, you know, all his anger. And then he has this moment where he stops and he humbles himself. And I feel like that is the most, you know, basic element of prayer is humbling ourselves and submitting ourselves before God. So even though he's not like a super pious, holy, prayerful guy throughout the series, um, he has that instinct. And I think that that we, that can be a real template for us when we're angry with God. Um, we're doubting God. We're not even sure if God's there. Maybe we're convinced that God's not there. Maybe we think God has abandoned us, you know? Uh, Jack says, you know, you've never given me anything good in my life except her, um, you know, which is probably a bit of an exaggeration, but we can, it's easy to feel that way sometimes. Um, so the other thing I love about that prayer is it happens right after William, Randall's birth father, um, was just in the chapel praying, saying, I can't take care of him. I can't take care of him. Please take care of my son. And then he leaves at the same moment Jack walks in and they like kind of look at each other as they go past, not knowing how significant they are to each other's lives. And just like you can see, you know, the audience knows, but, you know, in real life, God would know. Like God orchestrates stuff like that all the time. My, uh, my, my pastor, Father Larry, often calls it div divine choreography. Um, the fancy 
uh, theological term for it is providence. Like God can orchestrate all these things, even with our good choices and our bad choices. Like God is able to work all things for the good of those who love him according to his purpose. That's straight out of Romans eight. And God is able to, um, take these awful situations, these pains, um, even sins, and God is able to, to, to work something good out of them. Um, so I just, I think that scene is a beautiful, um, expression of God's divine choreography and providence. All right. Next thing I love about Jack. So there's three things I specifically love about Jack specifically. And I think, uh, for father's day, those of us who are fathers or maybe fathers someday, um, these are good things for us to reflect on. So the first thing is like Jack rises to the occasion. He had a rough life, alcoholic, abusive father, uh, fought in Vietnam, um, you know, blue collar guy really had to work hard his whole life. Um, but how he responded to that and how he responded to, especially the abuse of alcoholic dad. And I, I feel I've known people like this, several friends, several former students have had, um, even my, my mom to some extent with some of the, some of the issues in her family. Um, I, I, in some families when there's like something really bad that's going on, and there's some sort of abuse or manipulation, sometimes one of the kids will just be like, you know what? That's not how I'm going to be. It stops with me, and we're not doing this anymore. And they figure it out, and they make steps so that it stops with them, and they, they're able to end these like generational dysfunctions, and they're able to, in the next generation, stop it. And that's what Jack is able to do. Um, it, he also reminds me of my dad cause my dad, as I've mentioned on this show before fought in Vietnam. Um, the other, uh, talking about that, the divine choreography, like when they are in the hospital, he and Rebecca and, and Rebecca recovers and they do lose the one of the triplets, their son, Kyle. Um, Jack has the wisdom to see that Randall is an orphan and that, you know, somebody says, Oh, this, uh, this baby was just dropped off at the firehouse or the hospital earlier today. And Jack says to Rebecca at one point, he's like, look, we, we have the nursery for three babies. We have the car seats for three babies and we lost a baby. And here's a baby that doesn't have anywhere to go. Like, like, don't you see, like, this is meant to be in, even though he's not like really a man of faith, he recognizes there's a purpose here. There is something going, he recognizes providence, even though he doesn't know it's, it's, it's God's providence. Um, so I think that's really beautiful. Now, Jack, like I said, Jack rises to the occasion. Um, even when he falls short, um, you know, he's an alcoholic through, through part of the show. Um, sometimes he even relapses, but he's, he's able to get the help he needs, go to the meeting. He goes, joins a boxing gym to get him like some, to, to help him get like some healthy community and, and, uh, you know, have a, have a healthy hobby at, at some point, you know, he does, he does certain positive things that he needs to, to, to get himself out of it. Um, there's this one point where he's really jealous of Rebecca and goes and like punches her bandmate. Um, but he, you know, is able to uh, apologize and reconcile for that. Um, you know, when, when Randall, when it becomes clear that Randall is having some trouble reconciling his identity as an African-American being adopted, who's adopted and a white family. And how does he fit into this racially tense Pittsburgh, uh, you know, environment in, in the 1980s? Um, you know, Jack's like, all right, well, let's, let's try to, try to figure this out. And, you know, and kind of clumsily, but he, he, with, with great tenderness for Randall, uh, gets him involved, um, in, in the, this dojo where he's able to, um, have some community, uh, with, uh, you know, 
some some other uh, families of African American descent. Um, his favorite Randall's favorite teacher at school, you know, even though um, you know Jack doesn't entirely understand it, and he's not always always comfortable with with uh, their relationship. He you know invites that teacher over. Um, they get to know him, and so Jack really invests in uh, in Randall and tries his best to to really you know help him. <laughs> understand his identity as uh, an adopted child and especially as a, as a adopted child into a, a, a different race family. Um, now, as I said, Jack does make some mistakes. Uh, obviously he's, he's an alcoholic through part of the show, um, which he probably picked up from his, his father in some ways. Um, he also, when he goes to Vietnam, uh, he ends up abandoning his brother, Nikki and like never talks to him again. Now I think we see this as like a great moral failure of Jack. And I think in some ways it is. <clears throat> and Kevin has a hard time reconciling this when Kevin discovers that his dad left behind his, his, his brother, Kevin's uncle. But if you think about Jack, you know what he, he pretty much distanced himself from everyone in his nuclear family growing up, even his mom eventually, as we find out in the last episode, and that's another kind of failure on Jack's part. But again, Jack is responding to this intense trauma and hurt that he's felt in his life. And he's trying to set some boundaries and he's trying to start anew. And he probably set some of those boundaries too firmly, uh, maybe with his father, probably definitely with Nikki, definitely with his mom. But especially with Nikki, he saw Nikki starting to make some of those same destructive behaviors that his dad did. In fact, Nick, Nikki actually ended up killing someone because of his recklessness with 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 uh, with drugs. He ended up like giving a hand grenade to a kid uh, in Vietnam, and so you can see how Jack is saying like, "That's not what I want to be anymore. I want to separate myself from that." So. Um, I think it's understandable, uh, the mistakes that Jack makes there, because it is good to set firm boundaries with, um, to, to protect yourself if there are people who are, are harmful, abusive, et cetera. So, um, but yeah, the, definitely Jack is, is not perfect. Um, and, but one of the things that he does is he, um, again, he really, he really rises to the occasion. So the second thing I love is that he really finds his purpose in love. So this is a quote I've used on the podcast a bunch of times before. It's from St. John Paul II, who was our Pope two popes ago. <clears throat> he says, man cannot live without love. He remains a being that is incomprehensible for himself. His life is senseless if it is not revealed to him. If he does not encounter love, if he does not experience it and make it his own, if he does not participate intimately in it. And that is Jack. If you look at the times in Jack's life where he has lost, it's because he does not have somebody to love. He finds purpose as a child, protecting his mom from his dad, protecting his little brother, Nikki from his dad. Um, and after he moves out from his house, he comes back from Vietnam and he's no longer protecting Nikki. He's kind of lost. He's like starting to get wrapped up in a life of crime. And when does he get back on track again? When he finds Rebecca, when he finds someone to love. And then he's able to focus his energies on her. And that to some extent is true for all of us. If we don't have good relationship, if we don't have ways of giving and receiving love, then we're going to be lost. We're not going to have that meaning. And so finding those good relationships and first and foremost with the Lord, like that is our, our fundamental relationship. And if we don't get that right, then our other relationships are going to be so much harder. But then also with, with the people around us and finding people we can invest in and that will invest in us and that we can really grow in holiness and love with. Um, now compare this to some of the other men 
in the show um, who prioritize career over family, like Miguel initially or Re- Rebecca's dad, um, you know, who really likes uh, status in the country club and all those sorts of things. Or some of the other guys at Jack's work. Um, whereas Jack, uh, you know, he wants his dream is to start this architecture firm, but eventually he just takes the, the boring desk job because it pays better. And uh, he's able to support his family that way because his family, the people he loves, are his dream. Um, and he, even though he grew up with this alcoholic father, he really chose to do some hard work and become this emotionally intelligent, sensitive father uh, and husband who is able to be a great husband to Rebecca, be a great father to his kids. Okay. Last thing that I really love about Jack, and this might sound weird, but I'm going to explain, is Jack is liturgical. He's liturgical. This is a fancy church word. <laughs> the liturgy is is are the rituals that we do in the church. So there's there's the different feasts we have throughout the years, the Christmas season, the Easter season, Lent, Advent, and then all the different feasts throughout the year of um, you know the the Epiphany and and the Assumption of Mary and, and the, the, the the Corpus Christi, Pentecost, all the different church feasts throughout the year. You know the the Jews have their own liturgical year. Um, it's kind of this cycle of rituals. It's there's there's rituals in the day. You know, it's everything from in the name of the Father and Son, the Holy Spirit, with the with the sign of the cross, um, to the things that are, are done at Mass uh, with the vestments. All of those things are liturgical, and and they 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 teach us something in the repetition of them. And Jack does the same thing. He has rituals all over the place. What did Jack and Rebecca do on their birthday? They get in their birthday suit and they have sex. <laughs> that's, that's their birthday ritual. <laughs> um, Thanksgiving has a ton of rituals that Jack, uh, you know, has has assembled around it. The Super Bowl is a big ritual in their family. Um, he's always taking the kids for these little talks. That's kind of a little ritual he has with each, each one of them. He gives them special names. That's something that we do in liturgical uh, rituals all the time is we give special names to special things. He calls them the big three. He's got nicknames for them. Um, I forget what, oh, what's the nickname he has, has for Kate. Um, you can throw it in the comments if you remember, but he has a, a Katie bird or something like that. Uh, but he, he's got nicknames for each one of them. You know, Rebecca calls Beck. He, he's, he's got these special names and we do the same thing in, in the church. Um, he even has a chant, right? There's this big three chants, like first came me and then came we, and then mommy looked and said, we, and then we were three and we, you know, the big three, the big three. I forget exactly how it goes. Um, but then he's also got individual things with each one of them. With Kevin, it's like football. With Randall, he goes running, takes him to the, do- the, to the dojo. He, when uh, Randall is having anxiety at the attacks, he has this thing where he holds his hand, head in his hands, his face in his hands, and tells him to breathe. Really beautiful. And uh, with Kate, it's music. Like, And he, he tries to invest in them and like get to get to get them to tell him what he's interested in with Rebecca, they go on dates. So he's got these rituals individualized to for each one of them through special days. It's, it's very ritualistic. Um, now, if you listen to our boy bands episode a few months back with Regina Boyd, who's a marriage counselor, um, one of the things that she talked about is this guy, John Gottman, who's like the guru of all gurus when it comes to marriage is rituals are super important for marriages and families. And Jack knows that and he does it all the time. Now, how does this relate to us? First of all, this is the sort of thing we can do in our friendships with our relationships, romantic relationships with our husbands and wives, with our children, with our parents. These rituals are things that help us grow in connection. Now, how does it connect to our spirituality? We do the same thing with the church. And 
uh, both, I want to talk about religion and spirituality for a second. Those are two words that sometimes get used interchangeably. Generally, we use the word religion to mean things that we do in a group. Like this is what we believe. This is what, how we worship. This is how we, uh, you know, interact with God. And then spirituality tends to be like individual. This is what I believe. This is how I worship. This is how I connect with God. And so you'll often hear people say things like, oh, well, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. And what they mean by that generally is I don't belong to like a specific community with a specific creed, but you know, I have a personal relationship with God or the universe or some higher power, uh, something like that. Now for Christians, are we supposed to be religious? Are we supposed to be spiritual? Both, right? It's very hard taco, soft taco. Why not both? We're supposed to be both. Okay. Um, we need both that religious structure that can guide us, that can give us mentors, that can help us celebrate these big milestones that can hold us accountable when we get off track, that can help us come back into the fold that, that can guide us. So we're not just, you know, um, going off whatever, whatever we think is best. But then there is also this individuality. And Jesus is actually really critical of people who are only religious, but not spiritual. He calls the Pharisees often whitewashed tombs, meaning they're nice and pretty on the outside, but they're dead on the inside. They're a tomb on the inside. There's a rotting corpse inside this nice, shiny tomb. Um, and he says, that's how we can be if we only do the corporate stuff, the, the stuff with other people, but we don't do the individual stuff. And so this is a phrase I would often use to my students. I would say religion without spirituality is dead. If you only have the corporate stuff, but you don't have the individual spirituality, it's dead. But spirituality without religion is lost because we can't do it by ourselves. And Christianity is not a me and God religion. It's a we and God religion. And when you just try to go by yourself, you tend to end up making God in your image rather than <laughs> allowing God to transform you into his image. You kind of just end up making God into whatever you feel like, right? Um, <coughs> And I feel like we see this, if I, if I can, uh, to use my friend Marcia, as a phrase, Jesus juke this for a little bit. <laughs> um, this is what Jack does is he has a religion, quote unquote, built up around his family where there's Thanksgiving and Super Bowl and there's these ritualistic things we do together as a family. But then there's also the spirituality. There's the individual things he does with each other family member. And each one of them has their own individual connection with him. And we see how often they remember those things, especially when they're going through hard times. And we're supposed to do the same thing. When we're going through hard times and we don't know how to pray, go back to the Bible, go back to mass, go to confession, bring up an Our Father or a Hail Mary. Some of these things maybe we were taught as kids. That's what the rituals and the liturgies are for. By this repetition, it sinks into us and teaches us in a way that not, nothing else really can teach us. But there's also that one-on-one -on -one relationship with God, the loving father, <laughs> even better than Jack Pearson, who loves us and knows us and knows exactly what we need and is there for us to have one of those one-on-one -on -one talks, to, to uh, you know, to have that connection with, to, to help us breathe and move on through whatever we're going through uh, right now. So, uh, those are the three things I really love about Jack is, uh, one, he rises to the occasion, uh, two, uh, his purpose really is love, and three, that he lives liturgically, especially with those that he loves. All right, so last thing we're going to talk about is just briefly uh, some of the other dads, and we talked about this a little bit already. Like Rebecca's dad, what does he go for? He goes for the status, the country club, the nice job, and he, he really wants his family, to, like his daughter, to marry well. 
and is only kind of secondarily concerned about what sort of guy Jack is morally, right? Um, Randall. Randall is kind of obsessed with security. He, he's, he's kind of obsessed with, with, with people being safe, with things being okay. Um, you know, he's a great dad. He's a wonderful dad and lots to look up to. But I think, I think that's one way where one area where he kind of obsessive, uh, obsesses Kevin. Um, he's obsessed with being loved. Everything he does, he really is just trying to get the approval and the love of other people. And it's not really until the end of the show that he finally is confident enough in himself that he's able to really have a relationship and he's not just trying to people please. Like he almost marries somebody, you know, a Madison just to, to marry her because he thinks it's the right thing to do. And he, you know, and he doesn't even really love her. Um, Toby really struggles with wanting to feel respected his whole life. He's felt disrespected. And I think this is kind of his crucial flaw. It even places this ahead of his family at one point is like, he's finally got the job where he gets the respect that he wants, where he gets the respect that he needs and that he feels like he needs. Um, and, and he just places too high of a uh, emphasis on that. Um, Miguel, I think what we learned from him is, uh, he kind of fell in like with Rebecca's dad or Toby, like just kind of worrying too much about the money and the prestige of it early on. But then he realizes his ways and he's able to change. He gets a second chance with Rebecca and the big three, but then he also tries to reconcile with his family. And so that's one of the things I learned from Miguel's story. It's a beautiful story. We don't really get to see a lot of it until the third season, uh, until the final season, but that it's never too late. So those are some things we can learn from some of the other dads uh, in the story, in the, in the series. So did I miss anything? If there's any other stories or lessons from dads or any of the other dads in the, in the series, you can let us know below. <coughs> so, uh, I always end every show with a prayer. And since there's no guests to lead the prayer today, I will lead the prayer. So, uh, wherever you are, uh, take a moment, take a breath, close your eyes, unless you're driving, in which case you can just pray while you're driving. But, uh, let's, let's pray together. Uh, dear listeners, in the name of the father, son, Holy spirit, amen. Good and gracious father. You are such a good father. You are a good, good father. And we are loved by you. That is our core identity. That is who we are. And we thank you so much that you are a loving father, that you created us and you adore us and you see us and you love us just the way that we are. No matter where we are, whether we are praying to you all the time, every day, whether we aren't even sure if we believe in you, if we're pretty sure you, you we don't believe in you, we're, we're like Jack in the beginning and in, in that prayer that I prayed at the beginning where we're mad at you, no matter where we are, God, we thank you. We praise you. We ask you to be with us. Um, and if we are in that place of doubt or feeling abandoned or feeling angry, Lord, we ask that you would um, give us some encouragement, give us some consolation, soften our hearts, speak to us, help us to know that you love us, that you see us, and that you are with us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Uh, this uh, episode will come out in the middle of June. June is a month in the Catholic Church where we celebrate the Sacred Heart of Jesus, which is a devotion to just remembering how much God just loves us, just totally loves us. Um, uh, our evangelical or Protestant brothers and sisters uh, 
they kind of use the language of a personal relationship with Christ that we have this, that Jesus is my personal Lord and savior. And that's, that's a very similar idea to the sacred heart that, you know, God is not just, you know, we do believe that God is all high and mighty transcendent, you know, high above the, the clouds and, and created the universe and he's infinite and far beyond our understanding. But he's also like right here with us. He is, he is transcendent, but he's also imminent. Those are the fancy theological words. Um, he is our personal Lord and savior. He loves us with his sacred heart, uh, just tenderly like a good father, like a, like a good shepherd who goes after the 99 or the, goes after the one, the one sheep that leaves the other 99 behind. So thank you for this little mini episode and sticking with us and, uh, let us know what you think. Um, if you would like to support this show, you can send it to someone. That's the best way to, uh, support us is by sending it to somebody, take a screenshot or send them a link or text it to them, share it on your socials, uh, something like that. And if you really want to support the show and get more content like this, that you can't get any other way, go to popculturecatechism.com and become a patron. I put all my talks in there, all the talks that I do in my speaking ministry go in there. I should have a new one in there about Jesus and his connection to the prophets of the old Testament. That should be going in there, uh, sometime in the next week or so. Plus, uh, for every episode, I do something like this where it's just like me talking for a few minutes about uh, something that we didn't get to uh, in the show. And there's lots of other perks depending on what tier of giving. There's six tiers of giving that you can choose when you become a patron. Also, you get access to the premium version of the Awaken app, which has all sorts of cool stuff in it. Speaking of the Awaken app, the Awaken, Awaken Catholic, which runs this show and lots of other cool podcasts, has uh, an app. And uh, it's free for everyone. There's a free version. Uh, and it's a great uh, Catholic prayer library, with which is trilingual in English, Spanish, and Latin, and a great Christian music library. It's got um, a great Christian community just for if you're looking for something a little less toxic than some of the other social media platforms out there. Uh, so please download the Awaken app. And if you want to support us, send this episode to somebody or join at popculturecatechism.com. I want to give a special shout out to our patrons uh, and especially these patrons, Carl and Melissa Gore, Lisa and Bob Tenney, Stephen Maggie Hubbard, Tom and Emily Camberiotti and Rob Smith. Thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you listeners for sticking with us this through this uh, little mini episode and uh, we love you. We will see you next time.